See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Hello, hello. Welcome back, all you in podcast listener land. I think I stuck at that time, yeah? Okay, this is Slow Robot A Go-Go, the podcast that brings you bad movies for no reason other than because I like them. Uh, this is show number 11. My name is Mao, and I'm coming to you from the land of K-pop and tiny little fruit flies that, no matter how many you kill, they just keep coming back. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Today, I'm bringing you, oh, quite a spectacular uh, movie. I'm not going to oversell it, but it's better than 25 Super Bowls in a row. No, that's not true at all. I'm bringing you the classic Riders to the Stars. And before I break into it, I'm going to go ahead and drop in the song that was played over the credits. And then I'll come back for my reflections, not only on that song, but on all the other awesome shenanigans that start this movie out. Okay, please enjoy the crooning of some gal. I don't know who it is. I'm assuming it's Wing from China. I don't know. Now, I'm going to start by saying thank you, random lady, for singing us into this wonderful movie. One of the things I noticed about the credits in this movie was, um, right off the bat, they show, you know, rockets and stars and action, you know. It's in the background, and you're looking at who the, you know, co-producer and the executive key grip is and all that crap but no no they're making you a promise 
it's almost like the editor and the director were sitting there at the in you know they were in the room and they were trying to stretch this movie out and they're looking at the footage and they're like you know the beginning of this movie's pretty slow lots of desert and jeeps and people talking how are we going to keep people from getting up and walking out and demanding their money back and they sat and they pondered and they pondered until their ponderers were sore and then they said ah Let's put rockets behind the credits. And the guy was like, brilliant. That gives the promise of action and excitement. So, that's what happened. They knew that they had the first part of a movie that was fairly slow and tame. So, they they wrote checks in the, in the front end. You know, they bought on credit. They were like, hey, check it out. We got rockets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're riders to the stars, man. We got rockets and stars. And we got riders. We got, a, we got it all. So, they're almost like saying, just bear with us through the beginning. And after this thrilling rockets and, and lady croning her heart out, you see desert landscape. I want you to picture Sergio Leone slow pan across a desolate desert. And then realize that it has nothing to do with that. And that's where you are now. Okay. And action. And you're in a desert, and there's some jeeps, and there's some dudes, and you're like, ah, oh, dude, we gotta find that radioactive stuff. And then you just go bahaing around with some jeeps that they bought from the government auctions for $12, like I see on the internet. And then they said, oh, look, it's radioactive, because they had the little Geiger counters, and they're clicking along, and then they put it in a garbage bag, which obviously protects you. And then, um... Then you fast forward to the meeting room where some scientists and generals are pondering over what are we going to do? This radioactive stuff is is uh, just dis- deteriorating everything, and and the uh, the head guy, you know, the, the, there's a lady walking around in the background, and she's like, oh, you know, we can't make it out of lead because that's so heavy or whatever. That'll weigh down the rockets, and she says, oh, comets go through the through you know through space all the time, and they don't they don't they're not made of lead. They don't deteriorate and at, at that point i'm thinking yeah but they don't have people on it either and then i i said stop thinking logic and then the head dude stands up haggard you've given me an idea woman and he is wearing a shirt and a sweater vest and he has like a colonel sanders tie but it's undone to, to illustrate how haggard he is and i wanted somebody to slap him for having a bow tie and a vest sweater vest on that's he needed lead shielding from that okay and that's well yeah so that's right where you got to be for this movie okay so basically then the next scene is basically what's decided like what um they figure out you know they don't tell you what they need to do but they show uh a, a supercomputer this was some i think this is from 1954 and this scene is freaking awesome. This is one of the reasons I fell in love with and continue to love these old sci-fi movies. They go into a spiel saying, you know, there's a, you know, we have to narrow it down from 150 million people to just three. You know, or or no 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 no. Uh, they put in the, to the supercomputer. They put in the parameters that are needed, and and it spit out a list of. First, it narrowed it down to 30 million, and then just to 12. So we need to get these 12 to 
our secret top secret army base and they say like top secret and all that kind of shenanigans words <clears throat> and um this is the kind of computer with like those like enamel acid washed typewriters sp- zipping back and forth spitting out paper and things flipping like it's a computer in the sense that it's not a person wiggling around like one of those you know uh, cell phone on sale wigglers. No, no, this is a computer doing it. But it is straight up like teletype noises and wacky. So basically, here is where it gets... It cuts down to the list of 12. And, you know, there's... They show these 12... <laughs> these 12 people that are chosen. And, like, you know, they're professors and, you know, electrical engineers and blah, 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 blah. The f- one of the, and, and they're all like kind of you know Biff Squarejaw, electrical engineer, and he's working on a light that can get energy from your ass. You know who who cares? They just spe- they talk all this nineteen sh- fifties spiel. The best one, my favorite one, was one that um he he you know he's a, he, he comes over he's a professor and he goes over I'm gonna go he makes an appointment to see his girlfriend Susan and his girlfriend Susan is a model. Because when I think of scientists, I think of model girlfriends. You know, I don't think of athletes and gangster thugs with 22-inch spinners. No. You know who scores the chicks? Dudes with lab coats. Oh, yeah. So basically, you know, he goes in, he meets his supermodel girlfriend, Susan. He's like, they only want single men for some reason. Wink, wink. You know, and... I've asked you before, will you, will you marry me? And she's like, oh, I can't make that decision now. You know, and she's she's like a, they're all chain smoking. And, you know, it's it's the, the typical 50s, like, you love it. You know, you, you love to hate it because you're just like, oh, my God, really? So basically, you know, that's the that's the, the beginning of this plot, you know, is, is the, the, the 12 people are chosen via the supercomputer. And, and they show, like, some, not a squirrely guy, but, you know, they show some errand boy for the top secret CIA going around and giving the invitations. And, of course, they're like, well, what does this mean? And he's like, oh, Uncle Sam just needs you. I don't know any of the details. You just got to go here. If you don't want to, you know, call me. That's the other thing. They stress very highly this is voluntary. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Just give me the ticket back. This also kind of... It makes me pine for a time when... Pine for a time. Sorry. It makes me pine for when everyone wasn't critical of the big brother and government wasn't so terrible and America didn't suck ass. You know. Like, there was a time when it was your duty to honor your country and it was your duty to make sacrifice. I'm not talking about going out and killing people. But that's one thing I miss dearly. Now, maybe it was just a movie ideal, and maybe it didn't exist at all, but I'm pretty sure it did exist, where you weren't constantly slamming your government. You just kind of shut up, and you if they asked you to do something, you did it, because you were like, well, I'm very thankful that you, you know, let me live here, and you're not, you know, you don't shoot me if I try to, like, cut, cut in line at the bank. We have lost our way in some respect, but I will stop with my dime store ph- philosophy and my bullshit politics. That's I'm just expressing my feelings. So anyway, in this movie, 
and in many of the movies I've seen, Uncle Sam is a stand-up Joe, and he's just asking for your help. If you don't want to, that's fine. So, yay for that. Okay, on with the selection process and what comes next. So now our 12 heroes are whisked off and they show a bus arriving to, you know, so they drive through the desert and they show the bus arriving and um, basically, you know, basically they say no one was allowed to discuss their fields of expertise and that whole shtick and the, the uncomfortable ride and and then they get out and one of the things I noticed was the one guy gets out and I don't know if he didn't realize it or if he just had never smoked a pipe. He was holding his pipe like upside down. <laughs> Whatever. And then um, they make a few quip remarks and uh, one guy uh, is like, like, he's like, speaking of jets, when the, uh, when the, there's like, the people that come out to meet him are, who are running this program are, you know, like a doctor or the guy who's running it uh, another la- another helper like doctor and then um a w- the woman the love interest of course and the guy goes oh, speaking of jets wink wink you know it's it was cheese ball so then they take them in and this whole the screening process is um nothing but ways of making them uncomfortable to to weed them out like they're trying to get down to 3 so basically um like they get off the bus and uh, they get off the bus, and one of them, you know, the the guy who's holding, who the guy actually who is holding the pipe upside down, uh, goes to the one of the leaders and says, um, you know, oh, take out this one. He, you know, he's not for us. So they're weeding him out by not only through the strenuous, um, like twelve G force stress test that they have to go through, but other things like they'll, you know. They're making them them uncomfortable to observe them, and then they're weeding them out that way too, which is, I mean, kind of ingenious. Um, I think that's that is a very good way of 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 seeing how people react is by stress. So, um, said the man who cries. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, but yes, I am kidding. Okay, so let's. Let, so where do they go after this? So okay, now they're going through all these stress tests, and they're weeding them out one by one. Okay. So I'm going to spare you the play-by-play for the whole thing, for, or for the whole testing process. But let's just say, you know, after the uh, they take them to a room and they make them wait and people snap because they, they, why am I waiting here so long, blah, blah, blah. Then, then they, you know, they, they weed out a few more and then they, um, then they say, okay, tomorrow is even harder tests and they go off. And at that point, uh, Stanton... See now, the, here here's one of the the shticks that I didn't talk about. The the guy with the bad sweater vest and undone bow tie. His name is Stanton, and his son was chosen for this mission. So basically, yeah, father son, and of course the son is the playboy who's after the chick, uh, chick doctor professor whatever who cares. So. They weed out people that can't make the 12G and they can't land and the whole sh- the whole thing is like they're in this the the 12G the spies like us thing where it spins around really fast the simulator you know and they have to swallow a pill and they have to land their they have to follow a flight pattern um whatever so then they get down they narrow it down to four people 
uh, four people passed these various tests that they kind of skip forward. They save us the drudgery. And um, they're in this room, and, and, and you know, and they they finally give the spiel. They're like, listen, um, the race to outer space, you know, we, we need this. We sent up a rocket in outer space, and it came back, and the metal was brittle, and it broke, like, like broke apart. And we need to go find out what meteors are made of so we can build our rockets out of meteors and win the race to space. And one guy stands up, and he's like... and you know, although he was dismissed quickly, and he t- he left, a lot of what he said made sense. He's like, "Oh, you, uh, everything just turns to war. All you do is talk about war. You know, nothing good ever comes of anything." And then you know, the guy running it, the Stanton that's running it, was like, "No, no, you know, whoever wins the, if a dictator wins this race to space, we'll all be enslaved. And and if we win this race to space, you know." The, we we're free and freedom, and they they kind of said you live in a free country and freedom, freedom, blah blah blah, eagle flag, all that stuff. And um, and one guy just said one thing I learned in the army: never volunteer. And he tore up his his letter and he he left, you know. And then the uh, one guy was so angered by that he signed his right away. See, like they had to sign the thing and mail it to the guy and say I accept. That means that they accept. So they're down to three. Okay, so one guy signed right away. And then uh, the son of the guy who's running it was like, Oh, well, I learned, you know, never make a rash decision. You wait 24 hours, think it over, and then, and then, and then sign the letter. You know, like a, like, a, like a normal, rational person. So then they go to the, the, the love interest and the son... They go to like what is like a, an army PX, like you know where they, they in the foreground there's a guy clicking away on a on a typewriter, and and then in the back they show like the picnic tables and like where people eat the mess hall, and um and there's like a jukebox or whatever, and then they go into this schlocky, you know, <laughs> I'm just gonna drop in a soundbite and let you go from there, and I'll pick up after the love. Thing. I dream of it almost every night. What? Flying. In a rocket? Of course. Speed 18,000 miles. Then I look back on the air. Huge round wall. As I fly toward the ionosphere, I can see the Gulf of California and the Pacific Ocean. And the Atlantic. Cities are like hazy stars below me. There's the sun. Myriads of stars no human eyes have ever seen before. We do live in a dark hole down here on Earth, don't we? Like blind moles. Well, I never thought of it quite like that, but... Could be. Maybe we never have seen the real stars. I envy you going up there. I haven't quite made up my mind yet. I wouldn't hesitate a minute if I had the chance. You're braver than I am. It doesn't take courage. What it takes is... Dedication. And a certain amount of lunacy. Man's desires are his prayers. That's right. You have to believe. It's the only way to arrive. 
Okay, so finally, uh, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, as they say. The uh, they're tracking a meteor swarm. The and the observatory is tracking it, and they're giving us you know all the information we need. The last you know the the riders into the stars are being briefed. They I, I'm saving you some of the shenanigans like the teaching them controls and how important it is and you'll be thrown into space if you vary whatsoever and um you know so and and they also show them building rockets you know when this was made yeah awesome now we through our eyes when we see how you know we have these space shuttles that tiles fall off of them because even our best engineers can't do it it's laughable you know they're showing them tucking and in, like insulation around wires there was a there was a bit where they showed um you know they sent they successfully sent some mice into space and the mice took 13 g's so that tells you that mice are more prepared than humans for this moving on so basically some schlock, some of this, you know, one guy, the, the, oh, the guy that uh, asked his model to to marry him, and then she, she pretty much, she shot him down, but then was, like, I spared you some of that whole dialogue, but part of the dialogue was showing how, how really calloused and horrible she was, you know, she drove him to the airport so she could have his car for two weeks and blah, 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 um, they do yank him in to a to a room and say, "Okay, so if she would have said yes, what you know? Are you? They they think he's on a suicide mission because his horrible harpy model girlfriend said no, um, and he said, "No, I assure you, I want to fly." And at that point, I wish there was a big button that could slam. Oh, you know, plot point, plot point, or you know, you know, foreshadowing, because yeah, so. Okay. Finally, the meteor swarm is upon the Earth. Uh, it's not hitting the Earth. It's just just zipping on by, and into the ionosphere, which is what they call above Earth. Um, I sure hope all the greenhouse gases we're emitting do not destroy the ionosphere. And that's where the as they're walking out, they get debriefed and they say, look, you know, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be like two miles an hour faster than the meteors. Go in there and get all Pac-Man on their ass and, you know, chomp up a meteor bit and then come on back to Earth so we can study it. And they all leave and then the the father pulls the son aside and he's like, you know, listen, don't be a renegade and play by your own rules. That this We need you to be a, a machine because we're... um." You know, down here we're more knowledgeable than you, so don't. If you get into trouble, you know, you only have ten rockets to fire to get you back onto the Earth properly. And I need you to just listen to us and don't think on your own. And the son winks, and or he doesn't wink. The son shakes the dad's head and says, "Okay, I'll do my best." And everyone viewing that goes, "Oh, you wrote that so we know he's a renegade that plays by his own rules, and he'll save the day by not following the rules." maybe wink wink okay so now the montage well not montage now they're showing them rolling out the rockets to see there's three pilots left and there's three rockets one thing i did think of 
older movies don't have montages, and I'm assuming that came about in the 80s, because, you know, with the blaring of the Danger Zone and, you know, all that good stuff, but I'm, I think this movie could have been fast-forwarded a bit with some montage, you know, just, here's our four guys, montage, I'm not going to play by your rules, montage, blast into space, gritty, square jaw, trying to get a meteor. So, you know, then they then they launch into space after, oh, and the other thing that I do love, this was like a time when, you know, men were men, you know, they show them when they're in their meeting rooms, they're they're smoking cigars, drinking coffee. They they always show like the, the the camera always starts on the coffee machine and zooms back to to the people, and they're always like smoking a pipe and a cigar and cigarettes, chain smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. You know these are men's men. Like you know if Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been in the corner chawing on one of his cigars, and he was like, hey Bennett, you know I, that would totally be normal. It would it would it would have been like seamless. So, these were men's men. The riders to the stars were actually, you know, they were balls deep in, in manly manness of the 50s. So now, they finally, finally blast into space to go capture themselves up some meteors. And yay for that. Okay, so then, you know, okay, so now there's three of them and they, and, and there's three rockets and they go into space and... And uh, at this point, I give the I, I'm both uh, I give it credit, and I also cry a little bit inside because the ground control portion of it is very good. You know, like like all the there's three rockets, there's three astronaut, the riders, three riders into space, and um, they have um, like the ground control is giving them actual information, so it's very realistic in that sense. What makes me weep is the uh, the effects, cause you know these spaceships they do things that cars can't do. Like they like they stop meteors just stop and then go towards things and like those effects are bad. But I give it a pass because it's um, 1954. So look, just just let it go. You know, like whatever. So basically, there's these three guys, and they're up there, and they're trying to get these meteors. And the first guy, Gordon, goes after a meteor. He sees one, and he goes after it. Not Gordon the fisherman, just just Gordon the meteor fisherman. Moving on. So he he flies after it, and he's coming towards it. And then finally, ground control's like, it's too big, it's too big, and it's too late. And he pull, he can't pull up. Kaboom, kablooey. You know, Gordon dead. So what happens is this. The second guy, the guy who tried to marry the model who who turned him down and they were like, he's suicidal. Uh, yeah, guess what happens? <laughs> you can't guess what happens because it's so awesome. The Gordon bounce, like, doesn't bounce off the window but passes the spaceship window straight up, skeleton in a freaking uh, astronaut suit. It is awesome. It's probably the most awesome part of the entire movie. Because he literally, like, it's just like that floating 50s skeleton in a bubble head. And then, of course, he goes nuts. And he takes his helmet off and he goes wacky and he's all crazy, Jerry Lewis style. And then, 
and then off into space he goes just like the script said like four times so now there's it's just up to uh, Stanton who I'm just gonna call square biff jaw biff square jaw either one's fine so basically uh, Stanton square jaw you know they they they're like look it's a wash just just get in here you know the meteors have passed because this whole thing is supposed to be, take place in a 15 minute window so they're like okay just just get your get your ass back to earth and um he goes oh wait but then there's like a straggler meteor it's like it's like a lion chasing the limping gazelle you know this is the limping meteor so he's like oh i find one i see one and they're like no no come back because whatever your your rockets and the boosters and the thing and he's like and he doesn't listen to him. He takes his helmet off because he's the heat. Oh, the heat's too much. And he takes the helmet off, which wouldn't that make the heat more? Moving on. So he 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 scoops up a meteor. And oh, what I forgot to mention before is is like during the love scenes and like the when the love interest and Square Stanton Biffjaw get like close to each other, like they kiss and they're like, oh, I love you and I love you too or whatever, you know, the fifties and. One of the schlocky lines was, "Oh, bring me a cup of coffee up into space." And, and she goes, "Oh, ha, ha, okay, I will." And then he's like, "I'll bring you back a star." Yeah, wink, wink. Uh, yeah, foreshadowing. So then, basically, now he's got this meteor. But guess what? You you've used all nine of your ten rockets. What are you gonna do? And he and he's like, "I'll I'll make it." Or he doesn't say that, but whatever. He fires his rocket and he comes crashing down into Earth. But he doesn't crash, of course. He, like, skims it and bounces around a little bit, and then he crashes. So the emergency crew's there to to help revive him. And, you know, back in the 50s, basically the revival crew was just to slap you around a little bit and, and, then, and then say, you know, get your ass up so everyone can comment. Like, he didn't get whisked off into the hospital like they do now wussies oh look at you you crashed a rocket you better go to the hospital no 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 now they just snap one of those little freaking uh, uh, smelling salts under your nose slapping the ass and say get up there you know square jaw get to the next scene so he comes over and they're all standing there looking at the rocket and there's the meteor and yay oh the meteor is made of diamond-esque or diamond compressed carbon they say compressed carbon not diamond-esque and then love interest is like, well, that's what diamonds are made of. <laughs> yeah. So then he's all like, oh, I told you I'd bring you back a star. Wah, wah. And that's the thing with the stuff. So now the yay for that. Okay, I misspoke. Did I say, I, I meant crystallized carbon. Why, that's what diamonds are made of. Remember, I promised I'd bring you back a star. <laughs> End credits. Okay. So, now I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to just say a little bit about it. You know, overall, good movie. I liked it a lot. You know, uh, it's it's very basic in, in, in what, you know, they had one goal. They just kind of, they padded around it and said, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, they picked guys. They washed them out. They flew them into space. Got a meteor. One guy lived in the end. Um, you know, by and large, this is, this is one of that I would suggest um, picking up. You know, you, you'll probably get it for a nickel and a wish. So you know, you get this one and watch it because 
the I've seen it in color. I, I know that there's a black and white version and there's a color version. The color version wasn't that distracting, horrible color. It looked natural to me. You know, washed out, 50s natural. So, um, there's a lot in here. But aside from the love story, which I often rag on the love stories because uh, that's one of those things that's kind of a western tacked on thing. Like... I don't know. It just they 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 put it in there to add an element that isn't necessary, but they always do. Uh, so the schlocky part I made fun of, but definitely go um definitely check this one out. I'm gonna drop in the intro, uh, and just so you can hear the music and the, all that good and the the wonderful dialogue. But uh, I am gonna say, make sure you check out uh, Two Dimension Podcast. May please visit um. KimchiAgogo.wordpress.com. Please visit bunchofdorks.com or listen to them on iTunes. It's kind of falling off, but I'm working on it. And um, I'm going to be uh, going on vacation for two weeks. I'm going to Japan, so I'm very sorry, but there won't be a slow robot agogo for two weeks. Um, I have some good movies in mind for when I get back. Although, <laughs> after visiting the land of the rising sun, I might go off on a Godzilla tangent and give you five Godzillas in a row. Probably not. But I will say, I'm I'm going to the I'm going to the uh, Toei Studio uh, tour where you get to meet the actors and. Uh, Toei is, 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 does a lot of the samurai stuff that I am in crazy in love with. And I am hoping to get up to Toho, uh, t- in, or Tokyo, to the Toho Godzilla uh, tour or whatever it is. I will catch you all up on the flip side. I'm leaving the 6th of August, 20, 2011. I'm coming back the 20th of August, 2011. It'll probably take me a day or two to get my bearings back and kill all the many, many uh, uh, fruit flies that will obviously take over my apartment, and hopefully they'll pay rent while I'm gone. And I will catch you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you tell your friends about Slow Robot A Go Go. I have uh, I just recently I put up a parody of uh, Black and White, a cop drama with. Uh, Jack Black and Jack White. Please tell me what you think of that. I like doing that kind of thing, but if it's stupid and it's not funny, please be brutally honest, like I know the internet always is. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in two weeks. Cosmic rays with the coating of crystallized pure color.